Amen. And good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. We do believe that every battle belongs to the Lord, and we believe that He has a way and a plan for us. So as a, a church, what we are ultimately about is followers of Jesus, trusting that He has a plan and a way to help us and, and get us through that, and helping as many people follow Him as possible. That's why our statement is, we are followers that make followers of Jesus. We're going through our series right now where we're talking about what that looks like, and here are four sub-follower statements. You can find them written permanently on the wall there. It says, followers follow Jesus. Followers serve God and others. Followers give sacrificially and followers share what they know. And what we believe is that if you are a genuine follower of Christ, then all of these levels will be a mark of your life. And so as we're doing this, we've been looking through 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 12 and talking about how if we do this well, then when we're serving God or when we're living for God or when we're following God, we do it in love. Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, and they were an enormous big mess. And they were just a place that was struggling and, and really having a difficult time. And so he addresses them in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 13, and he says this, For just as one body, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. The spirit to drink is the God living in us, and the idea is that we are one body. So this week we're talking about followers serve God and others and in love. And if we serve in love, what will happen is we'll shock the world. Have you noticed that the world doesn't really like to serve each other? That this world is full of struggles? And sometimes when we look at the world, we, we look at the church and we, we go, the church seems a lot like the world, and it shouldn't. And the reason is we don't really understand how to serve God in love. And so Paul was addressing a similar mindset here at the church of Corinth. If you notice, this passage often is referred to as just talking about the different spiritual giftedness, whether you're a shy person or an extrovert, whether you're having the gift of preaching or the gift of whatever. But there's a lot more going on here because he says right at the beginning, just as one body, many parts, so also one body, we're baptized, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So he's, he's discussing socioeconomic class as well as uh, race. And I think we should shock the world instead of trying to be a church, because churches often in this world are a group of people who look a lot alike and talk a lot alike and gather together to shame everyone who shares different sins. And that's not the church. And so when he's addressing this, he, he wants us to stand out. He wants us to be different. But he also wants us to value our differences. Can we do that? I recently um, watched a comic. And, and it's hard to find clean comics, but I like them when I find them. And I was, I was watching this comic, and, and here's what he, he said. He said, in, in regard to race, have you ever noticed that when we describe race, we, we pick the three or four most bland colors in the color box? We are either white, black, or brown. And he goes, those are very boring colors. And he said, when you fill out your census, you're, you're required to fill out one of those things. And, and he's like, I, I am not white or black or brown. 
And so he said, I thought to myself, because they give it an actual other spot. So he went down to Lowe's to discover what color he truly was. <laughs> and he said, I felt a little awkward at first holding up the paint swatches and stuff. But he said, I finally discovered what I am. He said, I am chocolate delight. And so then I was sitting there thinking, and I happened to be in Lowe's, and I happened to walk through Lowe's, and I thought to myself, self, you should do this. Now, when I did it, I had to decide, do I want to do below the tan line or above the tan line? <laughs> I chose this part of my body. <laughs> and it, I, it took me a few minutes, and at first I was like a little weird holding it up, but I discovered that I am cinnamon swirl. <laughs> I mean, that's really, really exciting, cinnamon swirl. But I think... What we do is we sit there and we try to go, I want to blend in. Instead of realizing that God made you with your unique ability, your unique color scheme, your unique uh, introvert versus extrovert, your unique everything about you, and you are a bigger part of the beautiful portrait on God's canvas of what the body of Christ should look like. And when the church, our job is to build that up and to challenge people, you see, we need to seek unity, but not uniformity. We need to seek an appreciation for our distinctness, knowing that there is truth and there is wrong. I'm not talking about right and wrong here. I'm talking about who you are, your personality, where you are in life, and that, that everything doesn't have to be the same, but God wants to use you the way he made you to change the world. But the raw problem is we don't know how to do that because we don't know how to, well, to love ourselves. And in the absence of being able to love ourselves, what we do is we go around and, and we try to define our distinctness. And, and so what, we, what it looks like is sometimes we go, I am the right arm and the right arm is the most important part of the body. And somebody goes, I am a kidney. And somebody goes, no, you're not. You're a kidney stone. And we demean each other and we, we bash each other and we, we look for ways to say, I'm more valuable than you. And that takes away from God's beautiful picture. So here's what I want you to hear right from the start. You are valued and loved by God. And if the church hasn't always done that and shown you that well, I want to say I'm sorry. But I want us to shock the world. I want us to shock the world not only by how we treat each other, but, but, but how that translates into every aspect of our life. And so Paul picks up the story in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 26. And he says, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. And so he talks about the different parts here. He says that the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. 
And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. What's that saying? Because some of you tuned out after like two verses. It's saying that you have a purpose and a value. And really just look at this verse 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. But if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. As a part of the body of believers, as we lift you up, we are lifting up all of us. As we tear you down, we are tearing down all of us. So what we need to do is understand our value and our purpose. We need to understand that we have a part to play. So there's a few things I want to pick from this passage. One, we are all uniquely made to contribute. You and I were made to contribute. To who? The body. So what's the body? The church. So what's the church? The church means three things. First thing, anytime two or more people are gathered in his name. So if you run into me in the mall, which would be weird because I hardly ever go to the mall. It's probably around Christmas, maybe December 24th. And if you run into me at the mall and you came up to me and said, hey, I'm, my mom's going through this. Would you stop and pray for me? And I, and I would stop and pray for you right then and there. The church is right there at the mall. Because we're there. The church is anytime two or more people are gathered. But the church is also a local place. Here, Calvary. And this is a lot of times what we think of the church. But the danger of thinking of the church is only a local place is we start getting prideful in our church. There's a new church being planted today at Burnett Creek by one of our sister churches in town. It's a slightly different denomination, but who cares? And sometimes people have approached me and they go, what do you think of the church? I go, it's great. And they're like, but they're kind of on your turf. I go, no, they're not. This is God's turf. And I go, what? They may be a different part of the body, and so we should celebrate that. If they proclaim the name of Jesus, they're with me. And the moment we forget that, the moment we start tearing other churches down, the moment we don't pray for other churches, the moment we don't serve other churches, we have defeated God's purpose and vision of the church. So the church gathers together as a part of the body of the believers. And there's nothing wrong with being a part of the Calvary crew, okay? There's nothing wrong with having the bumper sticker on the back of your card unless you drive poorly. There's nothing wrong with as you go serve and, and carrying this mentality out. But it's not about elevating Calvary. It's about elevating Christ. So Calvary needs to be a place that gathers together to elevate the name of Jesus and our sister churches. The third uh, area that the, the body of believers is, is every church everywhere, anywhere, everywhere, believers are. And that's how we know this. We are uniquely made to contribute. And, and so we have a role to play. And, and you, whether you're an ear, an eye, or a foot, or an arm, or whatever, a bass guitar player, whatever you are, uh, that was a joke. Um, if you are an ear, right, you can't sit there and go, I'm not listening right now. Some of your wives are poking your husbands right now. I, I'm not listening. And, and why? Because the second part is we're all uniquely made to contribute. We all need each other to be complete. If the ear sits there and goes, hey, I'm chicken out, then how's the church going to hear? If the eye said to itself, I'm not working today, you're going to be bumping into a bunch of things. Good thing I got another eye, but this eye's on vacation. What if the heart sits there and goes, I don't feel like beating today? 
You have a role to play. You have a purpose to play. You are, are needed in order to be complete. Now, here's the truth. I am thankful that not everyone in this room feels called to be a pastor. Why? Because we would be here a really, really long time. As you all took turns preaching, right? And that, that stuff. But here's a, another reality. I don't know how to turn the soundboard on in this room. Don't know how to do it. I could probably figure it out, maybe. But usually it goes when I do it, so I don't trust it. I, I can go out in the parking lot, but I can't be in the parking lot and here. I can rock a baby, but I can't rock a baby and be here. And so we need each other to be complete. But here's another truth. Can I, can I be very candid with you for a moment? A lot of times we don't understand that we're needed. We, we come to church thinking the church is there for me. Instead of understanding that you were there to serve the needs of the church, to help other people follow Jesus. And so this is a, a really big problem because on any given Sunday, we'll have a little over 700 adults here and around 1,000 counting kids. Why? Because we're followers that make followers, and y'all take that very literally. <laughs> but as we grow and as we continue to see things, what, what you'll find is we have over 700 adults here on any given Sunday, okay? And that's wonderful. But the reality is, through the course of a year, we'll have around 2,000 adults through this building. And not just on Christmas and Easter. And on any given week, I would say that there's probably 1,200 people who say, I go to Calvary at least once a month. This is kind of a, a best ballpark guess. But 1,200 people who say, I go to Calvary at least once a month. And on any given week, we average about 750. And what that tells me is we don't understand what the body is really about. We sit there and go, if I don't show up, they're not, I'm, just, it, I'm hurting myself. No, you're hurting all of us. Because as you get fed and as you come here and, and you decide and learn what God's doing in your life, it helps your family, it helps our community, and it helps our church be what we're supposed to be. A beacon of light into a darkness, a chance of hope and a chance of encouragement. And, and sometimes you don't understand, but you need to understand God needs you to be active, serving, and being a part of the body. Because if the ear is gone, we can't hear. No guilt. Reality. And as we need each other to, to, to be complete, a strange thing happens. 1 Corinthians 12, 27-31 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First the apostles, second the prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then the gifts of healings, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. Now, denominations are split on how you read those passages, okay? And we could spend weeks going through the different things he describes there. We could spend weeks talking about the different gifts and the various gifts, and maybe we'll someday, another time. But I want to focus on what the last verse says. Verse 31, but desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. What does that mean? It means you are uniquely made to contribute, right? We've already covered that. And we all need each other to be complete. But it also says that you should desire, as one commentary says, and I love what this commentary says, when looking how to serve, seek to make the greatest impact for the kingdom as possible. Seek to make the greatest impact for the kingdom as possible. How do you do that? By being you. You see, 
The third thing we can really gather from this passage is as we seek after God and as we begin to pour out, we understand this truth. Our value comes in serving God and others, not ourselves. You know what the world is full of? Sponges, people taking. Hey, hey, I I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I I need you to, to fill me up and to let me have value. You will not find value in seeking love. You will find value in giving love. As you give yourself away, you will find meaning. As you give yourself away, you will find purpose. The problem is the world will use that against us. That's why we, as brothers and sisters who follow Jesus, need to grab arms and say, I got your back. I'll be your wingman. I'll be your wing lady, if that's such a term. I will be the one who walks beside you. When you're down, I'm going to pick you up. And when I'm down, you're going to pick me up. And I'm going to serve whatever it takes. I'm going to be what you need me to be. Why? Because you're a part of the body of Christ, and I will lift you up. What would it look like if we really did that? It would shock this world. What would it look like if we then translated that into our community? The problem is we don't understand what this looks like. And we, we get, we misrepresent it and we mistreat it. And, and then we have to come back to the place where we, we check our motives. What are we truly doing and what are we really about? You see, our value should come in serving God and others and not ourselves, which should be easy, but it's not. I was in a, a youth group that was quite interesting, and, I, and it, was a, it was a good church. Um, but I had six youth ministers in six years. That's a lot of youth ministers. We were notorious for getting a seminary grad for one year, and then they would go on and find another church. And so I I learned early on that youth group was good if you look for the good and bad if you look for the bad. Now, here's what happens in just about every youth group I've ever been a part of, okay? Here's what happens. People go to a youth group. If you don't know what a youth group is, it's the time 7th through 12th or 6th through 12th grade where the group, okay, you know what it is. Um, and you gather together, and then what would inevitably happen is somebody gets their feeling hurts, and then they start saying the youth group is clicky. And then division happens. And the people start going, she said this, and he said that, and he said this, and she said that. And then all of a sudden, it is clicky. And what I would say is, that's true. In every youth group in America, they are clicky. You know what's also true? It's true in every church in America. (laughs) As adults, we just know how to hide it better. Or sometimes we don't. Because what we do is we approach it with the mindset of what can I get instead of what can I give. And here's the reality. If you think a church is clicky, if you think a youth group is clicky, go and serve. Give yourself away. Go and be the light. Go and be the change. Go and be the source of inspiration. So if your work has drama, go and be the peacemaker. If your marriage is struggling, don't sit there and go, well, I'll change when she changed. She ain't going to change, buddy. You better start doing what you need to do and serve her. And then she might change. But you can't do those things to receive. You give because Jesus gave us. I think we would shock the world if we really began to check our motives why we serve. I think we would change the world if in what we did, we truly learned how to give ourselves away. 
I think if we really loved and valued each other as we should, we could destroy so many of the things that this world is going to use against us. Well, how do we do that? We're going to come to the fourth, and this one won't be on the screen because I added it later. And as I really wrestled with this, and I was sitting there going, they're missing something. What's Paul really doing when he's telling them? He's, he's telling them, yeah, you're uniquely made to contribute. Yeah, he's telling them we all need each other to be complete. And he's telling you our value comes in serving God and others, not ourselves. But he's also saying this to a church that was a mess. You need to repent. I don't like that word. Repent means turn away and, and acknowledge your mistake. So what does that look like? <laughs> this week I was driving my car down the road and I was turning right. And as I was about to turn right, there's a guy on a bicycle who comes through and he had a yellow light and I was at a red stop sign. And as he was driving through, he starts yelling at me. And I'm like, what did I do? And as I'm, I'm turning right, he starts going something about, I'm going to not say the words he's saying, but something about turn on your blinker. And then I think he pointed out my hair color. I'm not sure. Um, That was a joke. Um, But something about your blinker. That was a poor joke. Really, really bad joke. I'm sorry. We'll try to edit that out of the the podcast. We won't really, but I should. Um, As it turned around, he's like yelling at me like, turn on your blinker. And I'm like, oh, I should have turned on my blinker. But why did that guy get so mad at me? I couldn't believe he got so mad at me. He way overreacted at me. And I was furious. I mean, it was an honest mistake. And as I sat there and I thought to myself, but it was a mistake. And what I really wanted to do was turn the car around and like roll down the window and yell at him and go, hey, buddy, I didn't mean to. You way overreacted. And then it sped up because he couldn't have kept up with me. (laughs) But here's the problem. I was wrong. And as I approached that stop sign, I didn't turn my blinker on. Why? I didn't see the need to turn my blinker on. I was turning right. But he was coming through the stop sign, coming through the light, and he had the right of way. And when I pulled out, he thought I was going to hit him, and it scared him. And he probably had some other bad things in his life to happen to make him angry. But isn't that what the church perpetuates a lot? Look how quickly we change churches. Look how quickly we get mad. Look how quickly we do these things. Because, because, because you messed up and I'm going to let you know it. Yeah, but I messed up first. And so what I probably should have done, but I would have scared him even more, is turned around and rolled in the wind and go, my bad. And then sped up really quick so he couldn't throw anything at me. But the reality is we don't really serve. We don't really love. We really try to fight to find value without giving ourselves away. So here's what I'd like you to do. Shock the world by finding value in how to give yourself away. And what does that look like? Well, the next three verses, it says, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all the faith so that I can move mountains, that's a lot of faith. But do not have love, I am nothing. 
And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So the way this translates is, if I go to church and faithfully serve, but I bash the sister church down the road, I am nothing. If I go out there and sign up to help serve our church, which, by the way, we would love for you to do, and you sit there and rock a baby, but while you're doing it, you're going, this stupid baby cries the whole time. You are nothing. <laughs> Normal, but nothing. <laughs> if I try to get attention for myself, if I try to make it about me, if I try to see who can win by getting the most church bumper stickers on our cars, if I... If I do anything but give myself away truly to help people find and encounter Jesus, I am nothing. You've been hurt. You, were learned, you have learned since the time you were born that people are going to hurt you. You've learned to put up fences. You've learned to guard yourself. You've learned to not give yourself away. And what I would tell you is, I'm sorry. It's time to shock the world. It's time to look different. It's time to serve. So when you serve, if you sign up out there to serve, don't do it if you're just checking off a box. If you go to party at the park next year and, and serve a few thousand people, and you're going to do it with a poor attitude, don't do it. If you're going to go out and, and do whatever you do, but you don't understand love, first and foremost, come and understand the love that the Father has for you. And then give yourself away. I pray you understand what that looks like. When Jesus was gathered with the disciples in the upper room, he knew he was about to go away. He knew that they wouldn't understand what he was about to do was that he was about to die. An innocent man was about to face a criminal death. He was about to shock the world. And so he gathered some bread. Simple bread that was on the table. Bread that was probably pres pre present at every meal. And he said, every time you take this, I want you to be reminded that my body was broken for you. I want you to see what love and service really looks like as he laid down his life for you and for me. And as he took the cup, he did the same. And so we practice this around once a month here where we remind our people of Jesus' love for us. And then we challenge ourselves to be drawn into his presence. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert to one of the lines in the song. It says, a million or billion of our faults and failures disappear. I love that line. And that's why we observe communion. You see, it's a common unity that we need. That's what communion means, common unity, that we need the Savior to show up. Because as others have taught you, love is not given away freely. 
Christ did. And as you are receiving him and filled up with him, you will change the world. So here's my prayer in the Monday morning application. Shock the world by doing something that un- unexpected. Shock the world in your marriage. Shock the world at your work. Shock the world with your neighbor. Shock the world not expecting to receive. Not expecting a thank you. Not expecting to climb a holier ladder. But shock the world showing how good Jesus is. And there you'll find your worth and your value. So shock the world. As we observe the communion, as our deacons go to their place, um, I would encourage you to use this time to repent if you've been selfish. Me too. Matter of fact, most of us would have to say me too in that one. And then challenge yourself and say, God, as you've given yourself away, how do you want me to give myself away this week? Father, we are thankful for this time. We're thankful for what you did on the cross and sending your son Jesus to die. An innocent man convicted and crucified as a criminal who was buried in a grave and would rise again three days and is still alive today. An amazing gesture of sacrificial love. God, as we follow Jesus, help us to capture a glimpse of that, to be our inspiration, to be a church that's known for love and service, love, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, pointing them to truth, but loving them as we do. And forgive us, God, when we make this place or this moment or anything about anything other than you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. There's two uh, stations up front, two in the back, and a gluten-free station by the sound booth. Um, If you're new here, we invite you to participate if you have a relationship with Jesus. You just come grab a little piece of the bread, tear it off, and take the cup, and it's represented those two things. And as you do, ask yourself, God, how do you want to give me to give myself away? If you're not a believer, we ask that you sit this one out. That's why we do a popcorn. You can get up and walk around if you're scared someone's going to see you, but it's just a tenet of our faith that we ask that you honor. We'd invite you instead to go out to the next step space immediately after the service and say, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I want to know, and we're going to celebrate that. Join us and allow God to speak to you even now. You may proceed.